0: What up you bing bongs you are listening to the hardwood podcast because basketball excites you I'm your host Kirk Wilcox with me all the way from Chicago Illinois or Rockford Illinois am I allowed to give out your specific address no I'm in Chicago now you're in Chicago yes Ben Levine what's up buddy not much man how are you uh, well, we are recording this on Election Day. It's probably going to be going up the day after Election Day. So,
1: uh, uh, you know, maybe you should roll the dice, try and compete. You know, last, I'm sure people
0: got time. Last night, I went to the Pistons Clippers game here in Los Angeles, and I've never witnessed the Pistons get beat down so hard in person. They were down by 40 points for most Ugh. of the second half. And that's. I'm not about to make excuses for the Pistons because I'm about to lay into them here in a second, but I think it was more about the Clippers just being a legitimate team. They're currently tied for first place in the Western Conference. They looked really good on defense last night, and their offensive chemistry is off the charts, which it should be. They've been playing together for a few years now, but they did lay the smackdown on the Spurs in San Antonio the, the other night, 116-92, to 92. so they're looking really good. They're only losses to the Thunder, who is currently in first place in the Western conference. So yeah, we, the Clippers are, I think might be a legitimate title contender right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of people seem to think that like, you know, this is really definitively their year in a lot of ways to make those leaps. Uh, and I'm happy about it. I think Chris Paul is one of those players who can actually get better with age. Um, just because so much of his game is predicated on intelligence and craftiness. Uh, over athleticism you know he's just going to become a better floor general uh, as he gets older and one thing people forget about the clippers uh last year was that blake griffin was out for you know most of the i mean i don't know if people really forget about it it was quite you're well publicized the equipment manager the whole, didn't forget about it the equipment manager yeah he sure didn't but like that's such a significant weapon on that team and so much of their offense goes through like griffin he's an amazing passer um, is a great post player, high post and low post at yes. this point in his career. And, uh, he's, he's just as good as it gets really at the power forward position. So when you're missing a guy like that, it definitely takes a lot out of what you're doing. Uh, it's, he's, you know, you got a whole team built around that Chris Paul, Blake Griffin pick and roll basically. So, uh, the Clippers are bagged by all accounts. Hopefully they can make it to the Western conference finals this year. That'd be awesome. But they do have to go through the juggernauts that are the Spurs and the Warriors once again. So uh, we'll And the see Thunder. How the out. Thunder are looking
0: pretty good, too.
1: I, I don't think the Thunder are title contenders.
0: Ah, uh, such a party pooper. You know me and the Thunder, man. You know me and the Thunder. I
1: doubted them even when KD was on the team. And they didn't make it. <laughs> right? They got very close, but they didn't make it.
0: <laughs> close, but it wasn't the year of 3-1 uh, to one leads in uh, series. But... I want to move on to the Pistons, and you got to bear with me because I have a lot Shit. I want to say right now. I want to bring up the secrets. You know what the secret is, right?
1: What's the secret?
0: You haven't read Bill Simmons' The Book of Basketball?
1: I have read Bill Simmons' The Book of Basketball, but for our lovely audience, why don't you entertain all of us? All
0: right. The entire first chapter of his book is all about the secret, the secret to winning in professional basketball, and he tells this story about how he met Isaiah Thomas – In Las Vegas, which was a big deal for him because Isaiah Thomas had threatened Bill Simmons at one point because Bill Simmons relentlessly went after Isaiah Thomas when he was a lousy general manager for the New York Knickerbockers, but... Bill Simmons at some point during their meeting asked Isaiah Thomas about the secret because he had recalled a random-ass interview after the Bad Boys Pistons had won their first championship. Isaiah Thomas mentioned the secret to winning, but no one really explored that concept further. And Isaiah Thomas told Bill Simmons that the secret to winning in the National Basketball Association is that it's not about basketball. In other words, a lot of people think creating a championship contender in the NBA, it's about finding your shooters, finding your rim protector, finding your go-to scorer, your low post scorer, finding your spark off the bench, finding a good uh, perimeter defender. You need all that stuff. Isaiah Thomas says, yeah, all that stuff matters. But what matters more than anything is that you need everyone on the same page. You need a bunch of guys who want to win first more than anything. And that's a problem in the NBA. A lot of guys are individualistic. They want money. They want touches. They want minutes. They want shots. And this was exemplified with the bad boy Pistons, as Bill Simmons knows in his book. And it was mentioned in the bad boys 30 for 30 when Adrian Dantley got traded. Adrian Dantley was a prolific scorer throughout the eighties. He had actually led the league in scoring, I think in nineteen eighty four for the Utah Jazz. And when he played for the Pistons, he was taking minutes away from Dennis Rodman. And he there were games where he refused to come off the floor in crunch time and he was butting heads with Isaiah Thomas. And but it wasn't his team, it was Isaiah Thomas's team, and it was Chuck Daly's team. And further, Adrian Dantley was taking minutes away from guys like Joe Dumars and Dennis Rodman. when it come off the floor in crunch time, butted heads with Chuck Daly. And they eventually traded him, and at the time, everyone was like, whoa, this is a horrible trade, what are you doing? Adrian Dantley is one of the best scorers in the NBA. But it actually helped the Pistons because it relieved that locker room tension, and it was clear... Who the leaders of the team were, and they were a. It wasn't about Adrian Dantley. Adrian Dantley was too selfish. They needed guys who wanted to win. That was their. That was the top priority in Detroit. Sure. Why do I bring this up? Andre Drummond is the face of the Detroit Pistons. Is there any question about that? As an outsider, you when you no. think the Pistons, it's Andre Drummond's team, right?
1: Clearly, the best player on your
0: team. Yeah, best rebounder in the league. He's he just got a fat extension. I don't think Stan Van Gundy comes to Detroit without a superstar potential player like Andre Drummond.
1: And I think he's was a he the, was he on the Olympic team too?
0: Oh, I, I, th- or was he just, was I think he was he on Team on the, USA. Uh, I know that he was
1: on Team USA at least for one tournament. Um, Point being he's a very good basketball player.
0: (laughs) Oh, he's phenomenal. And there are a lot of things I like about him. What I really don't like is last week against the Brooklyn Nets, not a good team, right? The Brooklyn Nets. There's no controversy saying this. They're not a good team. Uh, I mean they've played kind of well. They're scrappy. uh, They'll they'll you know they'll they'll claw, they'll bite. They're not a good team though. And Andre Drummond played all but seven minutes in the second half of that game, got benched for the entire fourth quarter. And I'm, I'm not reading into this either. Andre Drummond admitted this in a story from M Live the other night following a win against Denver. Uh, he said, I wasn't myself the past two games. I wasn't playing with energy and I wasn't doing the things I was supposed to do to help my team win games. Tonight was really a focus to give everything I had. And then he went on to say... I have to take it upon myself to not come out like that. I can't come out so dry in these types of games. Guys look to me to be a leader, and I didn't do that in those past two games. Andre Drummond, this is year five for you. You are the face of the Detroit Pistons. You are the guy. You just got a fat-ass contract extension over the summer. This is unacceptable, and if this is the guy that we're supposed to expect to be the leader of a championship contender. I'm not too optimistic. And you look at guys like Tobias Harris on opening night at the Palace of Auburn Hills between the intros and the tip-off, and I've never seen a Piston do this before, even during the going-to-work Ben Wallace era. Tobias Harris, who's been a Piston since February, got on the mic, thanked the fans for coming out and promised that they were going to work hard and play hard this season. I thought that was great. And it's like, why is Tobias Harris doing that, not Andre Drummond? Why is Andre Drummond playing like a little bitch in games like <laughs> in games against the Brooklyn Nets? Why is he not bringing effort? This to me, this is unacceptable. And when you look at the other core guys on their team, Reggie Jackson looks like he might have a recurring knee injury for the rest of his career. <sighs> KCP is already asking for more money, uh, and I think he's peaked on offense. I love KCP; he's my favorite piston. But uh, it looks like he's just gonna—he might be a rich man's Kent Bazemore. Um, Stanley Johnson is still too young and way too raw. I don't—I don't think he can be the leader yet. And Andre Drummond is mailing in games uh, against the Brooklyn Nets, and caught—and—and and that was the thing—is they were down by 20 points. And in the fourth quarter, his backups, Aaron Baines and John Luer almost mounted a comeback while he was on the bench. I I, I don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable about Andre Drummond being the face of the Detroit Pistons. I don't know if you can build a championship contender when he's your leader and best player.
1: I agree with you, but um, I don't think that this is necessarily a cause for panic uh, with the Pistons because, look, Drummond doesn't have – a very type a personality uh you can just tell in his interviews and how he conducts himself even on the court you know obviously he's a dominant player he's shown that at times but at the same time he's definitely not the one leading the charge he's not the one who's going to be putting the fear of god in people and stuff like that even if he can totally out muscle them um and i think quite frankly it was reggie jackson was kind of meant to be that sort of guy that kind of leader, that guy who was going to get big points, um, be really scrappy and aggressive, and yeah. just never relent. But now that he's got this injury issue, um, and and also I just don't really think he's that good of a player. I think he's very much so a lower tier starting point guard Reggie in Jackson? the NBA. Yeah. Yes, there's no question about that. There's a bunch of guys I'd rather have starting over him. Some people on the bench for other teams I'd rather have starting I think
0: his over ideal him. role is like a third banana on a championship contender. I think he can be a starter on a championship contender, but you're right, he can't be the best guy on a championship contender. I think
1: I think he's a very questionable starter. In general, in the NBA, I do. I mean, he's he just doesn't. He's just not a good enough shooter, and he's like I, I I just don't think he's big enough. Like it's just there's a lot of stuff about him that just doesn't really add up, you know. Especially in the in the league right now, where the point guards are just so competitive. You really need a great one, um, you know. And it's like in an era where Mike Connolly is the highest paid player in the NBA, you know, and he's definitely not the best point guard. But I would say he's a much better point guard than Rich Jackson
0: is. Oh, definitely. You know?
1: uh so this i mean it's a tough issue you're dealing with there especially when you know what he could do on the court was being limited by injury and then thus his impact as a leader is going to be lessened um so i do think the pistons really just need to find a second person i think they need maybe a strong veteran uh, to come into that team like you know who i'd like to see on the pistons is james harden i think james harden would be an awesome piston you know
0: like uh, that's or, not going to happen, though. Come on.
1: I know, I know. I'm just seeing a person like that, like somebody, like some veteran player who hasn't necessarily panned out with another team, but like could really, you know, grab this one by the horns and like do something with it. Um, and, and I think. I think the Pistons could get someone like that in free agency if they just prove that they can win. But you're right. I mean, you have every right to be furious, you know, that Andrew, that Drummond is kind of phoning in games in terms of his effort, especially against a team like the Nets with Brook Lopez, who's, you know, we all know is soft as baby shit.
0: Brook Lopez be going at destroyed him. him in that game. I mean, that's bad. <laughs> you know? I think he had like, like 35 points.
1: Yeah, I mean Brooks and beast on offense, but you should be able to you know dish it to him on defense. Uh, and listen, when he's playing defense.
0: I, I can handle like a bad game. Okay, you, you 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 went you shot like two for eleven from the field, but you still brought it on defense, and you still crashed the boards, and you still played your ass off. That's all I can ask for out of any yeah. player in any professional sport. But it's like, if you're phoning in games and your coach is benching you for the entire fourth quarter when you're the face of the franchise, what does that say to everyone else? And that's a point I forgot to make was, I think that's important when you look at guys like Jordan and Kobe, when those guys bring it every night and they're so psychopathically competitive, that forces everyone else to fall in line. And if anyone... Disrupts that or questions that, then either they're put in check or they're out because you're not going to mess yeah. with Michael Jordan. Whereas if it's Andre Drummond, if he's phoning in games, and you're someone like a Stanley Johnson or a John Lure, it's like, well, if this guy's not going to try hard, and we're not going to have a chance to win the game, why should I try hard? You know, it's for sure.
1: Yeah, well, I think you know, like, look, like I said, Drummond's guy. Kind of, I don't think Drummond's ever been that guy. And that's maybe the larger issue with the Pistons, and I think yeah. that's what's kind of it's all kind of coming apart there with regards to sort of what you're talking about in terms of like the secret to winning, in that it doesn't seem like the Pistons maybe have enough buy-in right now, which is what made them a decent team last year, was that it seemed like the team really bought into the to the whole philosophy of Stan Van Gundy and they really took their roles seriously and they were able to be the eighth seed in the playoffs. Um, but right now, it's not looking like they're going to be in, in the playoffs. I would say.
0: Well, I mean, they have been beating up on weaker teams and especially with Reggie Jackson, that that Brooklyn team was a must not really a must win, but it's like you can't blow this game because you might be without Reggie Jackson for 2 to 3 more weeks. You need to get every win you can get and now you're going on the road for a West Coast trip and getting blown out by the Clippers. It's like, if you're getting blown out by the Clippers and the Raptors, then what what's going to happen when you got to play the Bulls or the Cavs or the Celtics? Are you going to be yeah. able to run with those guys? And, yeah, it looks like the disease of Moore is already hitting this team, and they, they haven't even achieved anything yet. Uh, I know. It's
1: unfortunate. But remember, you know, the Warriors did
0: just lose to the Lakers, so don't freak
1: out. The Lakers know. have been
0: playing well, too. They have been. But I don't, I don't want to get off on a tangent here. I know. but I know. We don't want to
1: talk about that even though I'd love to.
0: But yeah, the Pistons bench looks good, and Morris and Harris have looked good, and maybe they might be able to correct this until Drummond figures it out. I think at the end of the day, they still have Stan Van Gundy, who's in control of everything, and he might be able to make up for a lack of locker room leadership. But I did want to pivot over to the Bulls because I think the sure. secret is applying to the Bulls this season, too, who've been playing 100%. a lot better. And I think uh, when you consider that Rose and Noah were shipped to New York, now they are officially over that Tom Thibodeau, Derrick Rose era. It's clear yes. whose team it is. And even though Wade and Rondo probably hold a lot of clout in the, the locker room, everyone knows that ultimately this is Jimmy Butler and Doug McDermott and Muratich and... Bobby Portis it's all about those guys but they have the the locker room leadership and they've been playing very well they're fun to watch
1: absolutely well that's what I was saying about the Bulls that's why I was excited about the Rondo and Wade acquisitions because like people were always complaining about this doesn't make sense from a basketball perspective in a lot of ways and I you know for me I guess what I was tapping into was the secret I was like be that as it may you've got two guys coming in who are like high pedigree players who are going to tell people and, and show them the right way to play basketball. And this is going to change the whole culture of the team. And if you look at, even with our losses and we've had some bad losses already this year, um, you know, losing to the Knicks was, I mean, that was a must win game as far as I'm concerned and they lost it pretty convincingly. The Knicks Uh, are terrible. They're not so good. (laughs) But they were good enough to beat the Bulls. And, you know, so, and that's, these are question marks as well. But the thing is, is when you've seen them in the games where they played well and things are clicking, they're really clicking. And you can see a lot of command on the floor from the guy, really the whole starting five. And this is what I've been saying about their starting five is like these are veteran basketball players. There's not a single green one in the bunch. And these guys, and they know how to play. You, you know, no matter what their skill level is. And you, and quite frankly, you're dealing with some of the really great players like Rondo, Butler, and Wade. Yeah. You know And Gibson and Lopez are a totally serviceable front court and are proving that. I think uh, Gibson is playing incredible offense, which he was always capable of, really. He's got a really classic game to him. And so does Lopez, kind of, although he's really—they're both really good mid-range shooters, and they're also proving that. Um, as well, but you're getting like 10 points a game from Lopez pretty easily. You're getting around 15 from Taj pretty easily, um, and the passing has been spectacular. But that's this is all chemistry stuff,
0: yeah. You know? And and absolutely. knowing how to
1: play, like getting the big men involved, uh, the passing, uh, you know, knowing where people are going to be on the courts, playing good defense. Like these are all things that veteran players do. So that's what I'm loving about the Bulls. You know, it's just it's just clearly a very competent basketball team. And it, they're really fun to watch too. The, the passing is just incredible. You know, you, you saw—I'm sure you saw that highlight of the the play in Brooklyn where it was uh, Rondo to Butler to to Wade to Butler for the alley oop without touching the floor. That was beautiful. You know, right? I mean, and that's but that's what you're gonna get. You know, with with these guys. I was—I'm you know, not gonna lie. I was like... pretty
0: envious when I saw that. <laughs> exactly, and that's what I was. I was
1: like, you know, it's we don't have very good three-point shooting, even though D-Wade's been shooting out of his mind or whatever at <laughs> the three-point line. They've all been shooting pretty well, um, but just the open the open shots we're getting are, you know, they're just coming big time. Um, and then when you, you start to, you know, you start to sub people out, get those younger players in the mix with some of the older players, uh, they benefit from a lot of that uh, playmaking and stuff like that that we have on our team. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it when you get, you know, Jimmy Butler getting like seven assists in a game and stuff like that. These are all really good signs. So I'm optimistic about the Bulls. They're for sure going to make the playoffs, I think. And I think they're going to be a tough, tough matchup for anyone, which was that's what I said I wanted out of this team. I just wanted them to be a tough team. Anytime you go in to play these guys, it's very questionable as to who's going to win the game, no matter who the team is. And I think that so far, you know, given like a week and a half, two weeks or whatever, it's uh, looking like that's the kind of team that we have. So I'm very happy with them.
0: Could you imagine a Cleveland-Chicago series after the World Series and LeBron versus Wade? There's going to be so much riding on that series if, oh, yeah. they, ever, if they happen to meet in the playoffs, <laughs> which is still a long way away. I, I hate to bring up the playoffs, uh, what, eight games into the season, but... Uh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rivalry there between Chicago and Cleveland. Yeah, but but you
1: know, just make no mistake, the Bulls are a team to watch. They're a threat in the East. Uh, Not and to mention
0: LeBron's from Ohio and Wade is from Chicago.
1: Yeah, I know it's a, it's very cool. The whole thing It's very it's very awesome. And uh, well, also you know, it's nice for Butler too. This is really Butler's first year where he's coming in like you were talking about the unquestioned leader of that team. There's no Derek. There's no Joakim. You know, that's all done. And hes I think he might be the most veteran player on the team besides Taj, maybe.
0: Um, Aren't you so glad they didn't trade him after all the rumors on draft night about him going to Boston and Minnesota? Oh.
1: I am. I am. I, look, I, I think there's better There's better players in the league than Jimmy Butler, but there's, I mean, who else would you want on your team? I mean, he's just such a great guy. He's so, like, even, you know, level-headed and stuff like that, but also has, like, a, you know, ferocity and intensity to him as well. You know, um, he's he, he puts so much effort into his game completely. He's just a guy you want leading your team, uh, you know. And when you couple that with something like D-Wade and Rondo, who also brings such unique leadership styles and experience to the equation? You've got a team of people where those younger players. There's going to be no issue getting them to to do what they need to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no there's no fucking around in the Bulls locker room with Rondo, Butler, and uh, and D Wade there. In addition to like Taj Gibson and Robin Lopez. I want to so, go. On. That's great.
0: I want to go around the league for a second because I'm looking at sure. the standings right now and a thought just popped in my mind. Remember when John Wall was supposed to be like the next D. Wade, Rondo? Yes. And it's like, oh, he's going to turn around the Wizards. Wizards are 1-5 right now. Oof. The the Philadelphia 76ers, remember when Joel Embiid was supposed to be the next Hakeem Olajuwon? And he looks pretty decent so far in his first he season does. and all this buzz about Ben Simmons. And it's like, whoa, the Sixers, they're 0-6. Uh Ugh. the New Orleans Pelicans, Anthony Davis. They Anthony Davis. Terrible. Anthony Davis <laughs> was supposed to be this beast, and he's playing out of his mind. Oh and seven. The Minnesota Oof. Timberwolves, the lumber puppies. This is supposed to be the season of Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins in and these two hot prospects, one and four. And Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau, too. Again, it's early, but, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, we said this on a podcast last year. We might be past the point of all-stars dominating the league because you can't just skate with one superstar anymore.
1: True. You really can't. But, you know, we live in a time of multiple superstars, so maybe that's uh, where it's coming in really, you know. um, But, yeah, the the, the Timberwolves, they do look good, though, when I've seen them play. I uh, I think losing Rubio hurt them a lot. Um, but what else is new, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> pretty much private, the course, but they need a point guard, uh, pretty badly. And I think they would do, they would do very well with an actual, a veteran point guard, you know, one that's actually played seasons in the NBA, not like
0: Ricky Rubio. Before we go, I want to bring it back to the Pistons for a second. And because sure. it's election day, you know what? I want you to choose between one of these guys and you'll, you'll know what I'm getting at. So uh, on the is there thir- a third party option <laughs> on a th- <laughs> On the Bad Boys 30 for 30, I remember John Sally mentioning how Chuck Daly had this rule. He said, if we ever lose back-to-back games, i got to trade someone. And he would use it as a way to motivate his guys. And he'd say, hey, John Sally, man, don't slack off tonight. I'll trade you to Milwaukee. You want to go to Milwaukee? I know there's no strip clubs in Milwaukee. Don't, (laughs) don't, Don't slack off tonight, John Sally. What if uh, Stan Van Gundy, to motivate Andre Drummond, say it's January and Andre Drummond mails in another game against, say, the the Sixers and they lose. Stan Van Gundy says, you know, Andre, I love you. You're the reason why I came here. And and I, I want things to work, man, but you can't be mailing in these games. You know, How, how about uh, we ship you over to Sacramento? You want to go spend the next four years of your career at NBA Hell in the Abyss? Because I'm sure the Kings would love to give us DeMarcus Cousins in exchange for four years of security with Andre Drummond, so I'm asking you, Ben, who would you rather have, Andre Drummond or DeMarcus Cousins?
1: DeMarcus Cousins, no question.
0: All right, he's the best player in the NBA. We all know that. He is a beast. Is there any debate? 27 there, and 10 a game? Yeah.
1: Well, is the there whole any debate?
0: once again, it comes back to the secret: is it are is his talent worth his mentality and his attitude? And would that be yes. something, Sam Van Gundy? <laughs>
1: You there know, isn't a team, there's not a team in the league that wouldn't take DeMarcus Cousins instantly.
0: Oh my god. You know okay, I how, swear to god. let me ask you this, how scared would you be if the Pistons got DeMarcus Cousins? With and, and Pretty, just straight up for Andre. And you 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 keep Tobias, you keep KCP, you keep Reggie.
1: Well, you know, like I, I think it's still gonna be the same problem. You guys don't really have a, a leader on the team. And that's I think where you guys It'd are be losing a little bit of a uh, I don't know if I would qualify Boogie as a leader. He's more like a like a force that needs containment, basically. And you need you need someone to do that. And you're not even. I mean, Rondo kind of did it. You know, I mean, like Rondo and him got along and they played well together. And you know, Rondo produced well. He produced well the whole season and everything like that. But uh, you definitely need someone with a little more authority. I think uh, in in the locker room to deal with someone like DeMarcus. This, but I'd still take him. You know,
0: this has to be his last season in Sacramento unless they make the playoffs, right?
1: Let's for for everybody who loves basketball, let's hope so.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I would love to see him in another uniform. I, th-
0: I saw a rumor the other day. It had to be, this had to be a bogus rumor because it said there was like a three team deal on the table or something or being discussed that involved. Boogie Cousins going to New Orleans, Anthony Davis going to Boston, and then whatever going to Sac. I'm like, w- New Orleans is not trading Anthony Davis. And l- unless Probably they're secretly not. owned by the Celtics. Why <laughs> I-, I would not trade Anthony Davis for anybody right now. Yeah. But they are so bad. They are. Like, that team is. I'm telling you, they're- it's uh, KG in Minnesota all over again. It's like
1: Etuan Moore starting for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, last year, the thing is, last year their offense was pretty good. It was their defense. They couldn't get any stops.
1: Didn't they already release Lance Stevenson, too? Poor Lance. Let's look at
0: their roster right now. All right. I'm going to. New Orleans Pelicans depth chart. Anthony Davis. O'Mara Siege, who hasn't been relevant since he was a Chicago Bull. Etwan Moore. Great backup. Langston Galloway. Who I like. Solomon Hill. Oh, this team is so terrible. Terrence <laughs> Jones, Archie Goodwin, Tariq Evans is uh, like their third string. He must be hurt. He's injured. Yeah, yeah. It's a terrible team. Terrible. I
1: feel bad for Awful. Anthony Davis. It's like a bunch of like interesting role players, like semi interesting role players. That's all it is. And, and Anthony fucking Davis, who will put up fifty points on you, <laughs> like, like no problem. But I would love to see I would love to see Ad and Boogie on the same team. That would be like beyond like anything. I feel like if you just had that, you, like your backcourt wouldn't matter at all.
0: No, you are right? probably. Uh, could you get away with Langston Galloway and Etwan Moore as your backcourt? I think you. I think you'd win plenty of games. <laughs> Man, yeah. All you need is like some guys who can just
1: every once in a while. You know, that's it. What? No, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do that on NBA 2K. I'm do it. And, like get get Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins on my franchise. Do it. Do everything I can to make that happen.
0: And well, no, you have to do it, but you also have to have Etwan Moore and Langston Galloways who are starting backcourt to really. That put might this... be a
1: harder thing to come by. But <laughs> anyway.
0: You can't just have cool. it in superstar team mode like the Golden State Warriors right now. Could you imagine yeah. the Warriors with Anthony Davis? Oh man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that is a super team right there that's all that would be all-american players too pretty cool
0: oh yeah i was thinking that i'm like what better player for the golden state warriors than anthony davis who can play who can defend the pick and roll better than any big and protect the rim better than any big (laughs) dude that's like
1: that that like would be team usa's starting five
0: yeah except maybe you'd have demarcus in there instead of draymond what are your thoughts on the warriors so far
1: they're kind of underwhelming i think um i don't know it just seems like it i think but it, it looks like it's still kind of like the heat thing to me like they're just having a little trouble kind of like figuring out where to to you know how to involve kd effectively um because they'll just have long stretches where he just like doesn't really do anything and or like they'll just like throw it to him all the time yeah. you know what i'm saying like um so i don't know like but overall that i think they look pretty fucking good of stuff where he made the 13 and threes, and like that was dope. He's still stuff. Um, well, so
0: the biggest glare is that wow. Clay Thompson is not making shots, and those shots will go in eventually. I'm not, I'm not concerned about Clay Thompson, but I do yeah. think their uh, weaknesses, it's like whatever. Their weaknesses are pretty glaring, and they they are still probably the favorite to win the championship. But they're not this unstoppable force, and I think they're definitely beatable in a seven game series. The way they are currently constructed,
1: definitely, I agree. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting seeing like you know seeing what the impact of this is like because you know you got rid of Bogut and Harrison Barnes, who like they just brought a lot to the team, you know, in kind yeah. of like a quiet way. Uh, especially Bogut you know Bogut on defense is like so bad like whenever like he, I think he whenever he goes down that's like when they lose in the playoffs Bas- basically so I don't know maybe they just undervalue those guys but we'll see I think it's gonna be fine
0: <laughs> yeah we'll definitely have to wait and see but uh any other thoughts on no. the beginning of the season no nah, man just uh, excited for
1: more you know it's been good so far been fun
0: yeah except for that blowout on Monday night anyways It's okay thank you for listening to the hardwood podcast For Ben Levine, I'm Kirk Wilcox. See you next time.